Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. So in that spirit, I I bring this letter to you. Paul writes this letter in in Philippians. One is 13, he writes to this special church that we believe that somewhere along the way he got introduced to and probably started planting it on his second missionary journey. At the time that he's writing this letter, we believe that Philippians is probably about 10 years old, right? And you remember some of the Christians who make up this church. This is Lydia. This is the purple, uh, uh, this is the Philippian jailer. Now they are part, I think, of some kind of body that has meeting corporately, um, to continue to live out their conviction to love and serve Jesus. And so this is who Paul writes this letter to. And so we, you could actually, sometimes the cool thing is if you kind of read your epistles and then you go back maybe to the front of the book. You know, at the beginning, if y'all got big Bibles, you know, if you got them big heavyweight Bibles like right here, you know what I'm saying, that somebody has taken the time to give you some book introductions. They tell you about the theme and the purpose and then they give you outlines and then they tell you when it was written. Sometimes you should read those things. It helps provide the context to what's actually going on. And so um, one of the cool things is that as you read some of the epistles, you get to see sometimes those people will tell you, oh, you know what, if you go to Acts 16, this kind of makes reference to the group that Paul was talking about. And the, when, you know, Paul was doing this thing in Philippi, uh, you could go back to Acts 16 and you could see that that's actually when he was kind of doing some of those things or at least establishing that church, right? Um, but anyway, there's four chapters in Philippians. Is this the greeting or is this the conclusion of that letter? This is the conclusion, right? Philippians 4 is the conclusion of a heartfelt letter uh, to a sweet group of people that Paul cherishes in his heart. And one of the things that's going to come across to you um, is this. Pretty much the, the, one of the main themes that Paul kind of tries to pull out is to remain faithful to Jesus, right? He saves, you know, we all know that. You save maybe your, la- your, your most impactful and important words to the end of something, amen. And Paul definitely does that at the end of, of his letter by encouraging them to remain faithful um, in Jesus. And we have talked about it, and I just want to say it again. Because we have been redeemed. Because of the finished work of Jesus, we have been ransomed away from the kingdom of darkness, right? And now we've been empowered through God's spirit, and now we have the opportunity, everybody said the opportunity, to neglect worry. You know what I'm saying? So worry and anxiety, they there, and you can give them that yang-yang. That's what we call it in our house. You know what I'm saying? When you, get, woo, 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 woo. You, can give, you can give worry the killer crossover. Whoop, left you, right? You have the opportunity because of what Christ has done. You don't have to live into and lean in to your worry and anxiety. Yes, you will feel it. We all do. But you don't have to stay there. Because of Christ, you can make some choices. And this is what we want to make sure, that you understand the formula. Everybody say the formula. What's the formula, PT? It's actual PT. Everybody say, what would PT do? Pray and offer thanks. You see what I did there? You see what I did there? Prayer and thanksgiving, that's the formula. How do we combat worry and anxiety? Prayer and thanksgiving. How do you, Avenue Community Church, how do you combat worry and anxiety? 
How do you combat worry and anxiety, Avenue? That's it, man. So let's get into it. So Paul jumps right into it in the sixth verse. He says, hey, man, this is it. Do not be anxious about anything. Wait a minute. Paul, don't you understand that you know what anxiety? I know if you would have read the, all the journals of all the healers back in the Greco-Roman age, Paul, you would have known that anxiety is probably running rampant. If you would have picked up the leaflet in the market, you would know that we're all struggling with anxiety. How dare you, Paul, come to us and say, don't you be anxious about anything. Uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. We got a problem. What's Paul talking about? Is this something new? Is Paul making this up? Is he pulling this out of nowhere? Well, there's a Greek word that I believe is merimna, right? And it's, it's the idea of being overly anxious, overly concerned, but it also uh, 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 can at times mean just a general concern and care. Um, and it also um, carries this idea of distraction. So at times this word can mean what we think it means in this passage, that it's an over-worrying. It's an over-anxiousness, right? It also means being distracted, but it also can mean a general concern, and we'll see more about it. But this is not a foreign concept. This idea of, of, of commanding you not to fear, commanding you not to be overly anxious, this is not a foreign concept. The words of our Lord Jesus, Matthew 6 and 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Some of y'all needed that this morning as you was getting the mirror. Right? Some of y'all need it. I should have preached it before you came to worship, but you, you missed it. But the same word in the same tone is being used that Paul used in Philippians 4 and 6. When he said, do not worry, do not be overly concerned with your life. But why? I love if you read later on in Matthew 6. Because your heavenly father knows what you have need of. He's not saying don't be concerned. Hey, everybody got to eat. Everybody got to drink. I got to get fly for church, Lord Jesus. You know I got to get fly. The Lord says, I know what you need. Maybe that's something you need to just put in your heart. Maybe that's some encouragement for your spirit. Do you actually believe that the Lord knows what you have need of and he's not sleeping on the job? Why am I not to fear? Because you actually have a caretaker. You actually have someone who is actively thinking about every need. I have a song I wrote, Are You Thinking About Me Now? Were you thinking about me then? Is it true that if you cease to think of me that you'll stop being exactly who you are? That you're thinking of me back then, right now, already and always? Do you believe that the Lord thinks of you all the time? And if he's thinking about you all the time, it frees you from having to think about you all the time. Luke 12, it's the same concept. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. It goes on, and there's mirror passages, the gospel evangelists, they put them in different places. Matthew 6 puts his in, uh, his kind of do not be anxious and worry about the birds and the lilies and all those kind of things. You know how they get clothed. Matthew puts it in his sixth chapter. Luke kind of puts it in his 12th chapter. 
But when Luke puts it in his 12th chapter, he keeps offering this word consider as a solution. He's like, consider the birds, consider the lilies, consider, consider, consider. You know, one of the things where I get overly anxious, everybody say, Pastor, you get anxious all the time. I got one, one witness to corroborate it. Pastor, you get anxious all the time. And one of the things I like to run to when I get overly anxious and worried, I like to escape. I'm just going to get away. I get away from people and things that seem to be kind of making me anxious. So sometimes when you don't see me, ask yourself. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I, 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 you know what? I make too many jokes up here and I get, I get in trouble. I'm sorry. But I am a scaper. But I love what the gospel evangelist does in Luke 12. I heard this from a preacher, Alistair Begg. He says, consider. Do you believe that the road to your peace is not escaping your worries? It's not escaping your issues, but it's thinking better about your issues. Consider, consider, consider. Consider what, Pastor? Consider the truth of God's word. Paul says in Philippians 4 and 6, do not be anxious about anything. But he also uses the kind of same root kind of word in Philippians 2.20 when he's talking about uh, um, caring for the body of believers and, and the, the meeting their needs and passing out offerings. And so what I want to make sure I'm a little bit ahead of myself is this. When we start thinking about worry, anxiety, and concerns, I would just like to offer you this. That concern is very natural. I love the prayer that we just prayed through. It's the, those things in that prayer, the love for our city, image bearers, the, uh, caring about the, the outcome, we have to be concerned. That is a natural, godly instinct. Everybody say it's natural. Everybody say it's godly. To be concerned is good. But here's where we move over into sinful and harmful categories. This is when concern kind of goes left on us. It's when concern turns to worry, and I'm just defining today worry as anything that causes you to doubt God's capabilities or his wisdom or causes you to abandon him. We have moved from concern to worry. And we move from concern to worry. Then we're now in sinful and harmful and dangerous categories. In the Dictionary of Bible Themes, Martin Manser just says that worry is unease. It's angst that is ultimately grounded in a lack of trust in God and his purposes. I, I wish I could tell you, let me just be honest. Listen, I know that, man, praise God, that we've got some people in this room who deal with levels of anxiety, who by God's grace and in in in. in, in, in common grace in his sovereign plan, they've been able to get some things regulated and medicated and praise God for that. And so if that's you, do not, please don't hear what I'm saying and twist that up. Okay? Don't, Pastor, are you against me going to see? No, I am not. Go see your counselor and take all the medicine. <laughs> However, 
If you're going to see your counselor and taking your medicine and you're not believing Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you're doing it wrong. I will say, you could leave if you want to. I'm telling you, you are doing it wrong. God didn't give you those things at the expense of him. He gave you those things so you could see him more clearly. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul, you don't know my situation. You were writing that way back then, way back where. You don't even know what's going on. I just want to tell you, Paul's writing this in prison. Okay, just want to let you know. He's writing this in prison. What causes us to worry? We talked about it. When we're me-centered, when we're world-centered, right? Anything that turns us inward and we're just... Everything's just revolving around what we got going, what we doing, how we move, whatever. It just keeps us wrapped in here. And the only reason why that's a bad solution is because me can't solve any of our issues. You know what I'm saying? World can't, this is like, man, so it's just like, man, I'm worrying about things I can't solve, and it just gets me in a tizzy. How many of y'all get tied up a lot? Just get tied up. It's like, man, I got things to do. And you just in there, and just, man, you just get tied up in knots because you're just not big enough to be the primary person to think about you and solve your needs. That's why it ties you up. It's never a good recipe, right? We got to get our eyes off ourselves. And when we get our eyes off of God, we're like Peter when he steps off that boat. It's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm sinking. Eyes on me, I'm walking. Eyes off you, I'm drowning. And I'm going to just tell you, anxiety And worry when it is not properly treated with God's promises and truth. It just sends you spiraling out of control. Because some of y'all know this. When you get in the middle of that worry and that anxiety, because you've gotten your eyes off God, you know the last thing you want when you're in the middle of that? God. Man, we, some of y'all know it. Look, I'm looking at Grace as she get ready to welcome baby Jensen. You know, you know the children's struggles. Them babies be waking up 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. They be, right? They going crazy, and you coming in there, and you the only person who could kind of meet anything they got going on and what they start doing. Flipping out your hand. I'm trying to rock all three of my children, Noah, Luke, Lily. They're just many nights. You trying to rock them, console them, getting the stuff they need, and the last thing they want is you. I'm the only person who can fix it, baby. So we might as well try to work it out. (laughs) For your benefit and my benefit. So I say this. If you know, if you have visited PT in the past couple of years, one of the things I love to do when you come and you sit with me and we're talking about stuff that's, man, it's, it's it's tough and it's struggles and, and it's anxiety. I'm going to say, all right, man, here's what we got to do. We need a plan. I say, we need a plan. I say, get you a scripture that speaks to this. Get you three people when you feel it coming on. Immediately send the text out. I'm starting to get anxious about the finances. Send the text out. 
Don't wait till you're getting a full-blown asthma attack. Sorry, Lord Jesus. We love you. We knew I was going viral one day. Don't wait till you're getting a full-blown asthma attack to signal help. Send the text when you start to feel it coming on. Man, I feel it. And y'all know the tells. You're, you've lived with yourself for decades now. You know when something's starting to get off. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Send the text. Y'all pray with me. I feel it coming. And then you start, man, you start force-feeding yourself the Word of God. Do you, the Word of God, sometimes we get it, we get it twisted actually how the Word of God works. It's more like an antibiotic. I learned this somewhere, right? So this was in reference to, I heard it about Drake's album, his new album. Somebody's like, on Twitter, they's like, you know, when you first listen to it, it don't really hit like that, you know what I mean? But, but if, you, if you keep listening to it, it starts to grow on you. And I was like, well, I don't really listen to Drake, but, you know, I think that works. Do y'all believe the Word of God is actually really akin to that? Some of y'all, pastor, I read my scripture and I prayed, but I don't feel no better. Okay. So what, you want me to, what, what do you want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell you? Don't stop reading your scripture. You don't have to do that no more. How many of y'all have been walking with God long enough in seasons where you know I don't want this right now, but I know if I can just keep a steady stream in here, late in the midnight hour, this thing going to turn around. It's going to start working in my favor. I'm a living witness. It's been many nights. This is the last thing I want to do is open them scriptures. I'm telling you, it's a literally a fight on my bed. I'm sitting there laid up at night. I'm waking Gina up. Baby, you up? No, I'm not up. <laughs> and and, it's, and it's, it's simple. Tim, stop looking for her right now. Get on your knees. Open your word. God, I don't want to. And I'm mad. I, I just want to go to sleep. No. Tim, spend time with me. Is there another way we can get the peace, Lord? No. But you know what? Even when the times when I'm most stubborn, all right, Lord, I'll just put the earphones in my ear and I'll let the Bible app just read to me. Because I know better than to know it's not just any book. It's got power. And even if I ain't got enough sense, I'm just going to let the power wash over my soul. So nowadays when people ask me, they're like, PT, hey, man, I'm going through something. You know what I ask? If you're a covenant member here, I say, what you holding on to? I was so, I was so encouraged. My bro, Willie Cranford, we were talking about something. I just shot him the text. I was like, man, what you holding on to? Because as believers, you cannot go through trials without holding on to some word or you will be gone. The fight is over and it's finished. Man, my brother shot me one back. He said, bye, 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 PT. I just want to encourage you. Okay, bro. Yeah. I want that, I want that question to start flying around the avenue. It's not religious. 
It's not legalistic. It's just an admission that, brother, if we're just floundering in our anxieties and our fears, we're fighting a losing battle. You can both be concerned and have worries and be holding on to Jesus at the same time. Amen, somebody. I'm going to try to finish this sermon without breaking any more stuff. Y'all know worry is futile. Anxiety, it really is. It's a futile thing. It's just, it's nothing, right? At the end of Matthew 6, Jesus says, can any of you by worrying at one single hour to your life? You know, it's funny. Once again, you have the kids and they throw in their parties. It's like Lily Grace. Baby, do you want ice cream? I wanted a brownie. I wanted a brownie, daddy. You know, a brownie. Well, that's you, baby. That's you. Now, both my women preach with me. The generations. But seriously, I think there is a time to process, and it is very natural because concern is natural. But I think we do need to ask the Holy Spirit to raise our antennas when we are crossing over from concern to worry. And when is it becoming excessive and unprofitable? It's just, it's just listen, you can keep crying or you can have brownies. Do you want that? Or you can just keep crying. And I'm not telling you to negate what you feel because guess what? If I was talking to a room of people at Kingsbury High School or University of Memphis who weren't believers, I wouldn't know what to tell them to do. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to tell you people in here, you have a choice. How do we remedy worry, PT? Prayer and Thanksgiving. Ask yourself, what would PT do? He'd get on his knees, he'd pray, he'd be thanking God all the way through says in every situation by prayer and petition, present your request to God. This is once again, this is a scriptural thread that Paul is tapping into. He says this to the church in 1 Thessalonians, pray without season. Our Lord Jesus says this in the Gospels. Hey, listen, men are always to pray. We got to be a praying people. Seriously, I rebuke the the prayer specialist ministry in the name of Jesus. You cannot be a Christian if you're not always talking to God. You got to get in there and you got to stop making it over formal or whatever. There's no way to pray at all times and always be with your, you know, in your Ebenezer or your, you know, and you got to light the right incense. It, 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 no, that's not what prayer at all times look like. Believer, do you know that when he said it is finished and the veil ripped, that means access to God, the highway to God was a 25-lane highway for you at any time you wanted it to boldly approach the throne of grace in your time of need and know that you will find help. That's what God did for you, believer. Shame on you for not acknowledging it. I'm the, I got to access my highway. I'm praying all the time. 
Lord, help me with this lady at the cash register right now. Hey, children, hold on one second. Lord Jesus, would you help me with this young child in my classroom right now? And Pythagoras' theorem. Pray at all times. Pray, 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 pray. Don't ignore your problems. Don't try to escape your concerns. Pray through them. Prayer requests themselves, they're just regular concerns. They're neutrals. Listen to me. Prayer requests, just regular concerns, those things are inherently neutral. Somebody stub your toe, you're not being an idiot for being like, man, that hurts. God, dog it. Man, that hurts. You are not trusting Jesus less because you acknowledge that things hurt you. I want to rebuke that ministry here in the name of Jesus. Get out of our church if you can't acknowledge that you got some cares and concerns and sometimes the mugs turn into anxieties and worries. If you can't acknowledge that, you probably need to go. Because life is hard. And it's just stinky sometimes. And sticks hurt our bones and so do words. And so do each other. Things hurt. But prayers, those things are neutral until they either turn to excessive worrying or if you were making a nice little concoction and you put some thanksgiving on top of the concerns, they end up resulting in some peace. What's the formula, PT? How do we overcome worrying? So let's talk about Thanksgiving. How am I supposed to be thankful in the middle of this predicament, PT? You don't know my situation. Just listen at me. Most of us want to wait until God has done a thing before we start to give him thanks. Well, I'm going to reserve my gratitude until this is complete. Okay. Seems logical. Let me just tell you something. If you are a response worshiper, then you will remain in misery in the middle of your trials. If you are a response worshiper, you will always forfeit peace and joy that Jesus said you can still have in the middle of your trials. If you're a response worshiper, you will never be able to participate in the joy of God's people either. It's like, well, I'm going to wait when I finally get that raise, this one. Oh, Lord, you are good and your mercy. I'm going to wait. He ain't really good yet until I get that promotion. Then I'm going to get up in there on that song. You'll never be able to participate in the joy of God's people. And listen to this last one, though. If you're a response worshiper, you know what's going to happen when God finally does do the thing? You still won't give him credit. (laughs) Don't play me, man. If you struggle with gratitude, you'll probably always struggle with it. And even when God does 
beautiful and wonderful things, you'll still struggle to give him glory. I would challenge you right now, Lord, in the middle of this situation, God, help me to be grateful. And I think it's both the spirit of gratitude. Once again, I keep going back to the prayer because it's so beautiful. God, give us the spirit of gratitude. God, it's the, the, God, work on my inner. But guess what? You don't get the right to forfeit being grateful until you're ready. So you consciously and deliberately have to now consider and think about things you can be grateful for. How about another formula for you? I want to challenge you in the middle of hard seasons, every time you get yourself ready to pray, at least before you start making your petitions and your requests known to God, write down three things you can be grateful for. Every Wednesday morning before we go into prayer, interceding or praying for each other, what's the first thing we do? We'll read a scripture and the first prayer is, hey, we want to thank you, God, on the basis of this scripture. Before we start asking you for things, God, we want to be grateful. Paul was super serious about thanksgiving, and it's how he started off most of his letters, right? Even this letter, right? Romans 1 and 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For 1 Corinthians 1, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. Colossians 1, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints. Romans 6, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. You heard all the variety? He was thanking God for providence. He was thanking God for meeting needs. He's thanking God that people have been saved and now are obedient to God. There's so many. Um, and that was just six verses. There's such a variety of things that each epistle you can find Paul and other apostles being thankful to God for. What does that mean for you, for us, PT? That there's always reasons to give thanks. I went to visit our sister this week in ICU, sweet Tisha. We're praying. Next morning, she's texting me, encouraging me. I thank God for you, brother. I thank God. What? Because she knows I have a choice. I can't change my predicament. I am where I am. But I can choose to lean into what the Lord has provided me, his peace and his joy. Or I can let what's, what's happening to me right now suffocate those things out. Which will you choose? All I can tell you is this, y'all. I should have made y'all memorize verse 7 too. Anybody know what verse 7 is? Don't look down. Don't look in your Bible app. Be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And what's the rest of that verse? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. What's the formula for overcoming worry and anxiety, PT? It's prayer and thanksgiving. 
I can't afford to forfeit the peace. Can you? I can't afford it. What is this peace? It's the same peace that Isaiah the prophet talks about. You will keep in perfect peace those who keep their minds stayed on you. It's the same peace that Jesus in his upper room discord, the last thing he gives his followers, he tells them, my peace I leave with you. Not as this world gives it. What you mean it passes all understanding? Do you know that God can invent ways to get peace in your heart? Don't you tell God how to take care of you. He knows. He knows. He knows how to take care of his children. Do you believe right now that God even cares about your anxiousness? Do you believe that? That just as if you were a mother or a father watching your child suffering with some kind of illness and you're seeing them coughing, you're seeing them disheveled and you're seeing them restless and how that breaks your heart. Do you believe that God sees you the same way? That it is his desire for you that you would have peace and joy. And it is not his desire to see you heartbroken and anxious and worried. That's not what your heavenly father desires for you. I'm be honest. I was so excited when we started this series. And then, man, when I got ready to preach this message... I was frustrated. I think I was mad at God. I was like, man, why you got me up here saying this? I, I think this is the last thing our people want to hear, man. Because me, like you, I think we would rather the formula be different. How do we overcome anxiety and worry? We would rather be able to be like, oh, you know what? Oh, if I could just escape, then I'll find peace. Maybe for some of y'all, the reality is we talk about the health, wealth, gospel, but the one of the reasons why you're so anxious and worried is because you actually want the health, wealth, gospel too. That from the day you started walking with Jesus, you thought that, oh man, you know what? I'm promised all the things I want, all the things that I think I need. And you know what? I'm actually a little dissatisfied when things happen to me that occur to everyone else in this world. So why did I start following you, Jesus? Maybe like some of us, you prefer to just lily grace this thing and just sit in your anger. Hey, can we tell you the Lord Jesus loves you and his desire for you and how you can acquire peace? No. Don't want to hear it. Maybe some of us want our peace to come as a result of justice. You know what? God, we'll receive your peace when things are right. That's when we'll receive your peace. You're like a amen to the wrath of God. And I need mercy for me. And amen, get all the bad guys, God. And that's when we'll have peace. We 
we all struggle with worry, concern, and anxiety. There's a rumor that I think there's a command not to fear or be anxious 360 some odd times in the Bible. One preacher said it's one for every day of the year and one for twice. Why is there so many concerns about anxiety? Because we're just all prone to it, y'all. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all, it's, it's in us all. It's in us all. We're all prone to fear and anxiety. That's why the scripture speaks to it so much. But you remember the formula today. But you have a choice. You do not have to sit in your worry and anxiety. That as you present your petitions and your prayer requests, and you mix them with thanksgiving, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will indeed guard your hearts and minds.